You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast on this Friday, January 18th, the year 2019. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. We have a busy show today as we've reached championship weekend in the NFL. I'll offer you some picks a little bit later on, but first we have a guest who can tell us some good things about Greg Williams. Jeff Lloyd is with us. You may remember Jeff prior to the week three game between the Jets and the Browns. He came on. He's the host of Locked On Browns, so he's been able to observe the new defensive coordinator of the Jets, Greg Williams, over these last three years when he's worked on the Browns coaching staff and then this year when he took over as interim head coach in season. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. I'm good, John. How's everything going? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Jets, Browns, uh, you know, it's become a nice little rivalry here. Uh, some guys changing places on the rosters. Uh, we're going to have a uh, chance for a tiebreaker in 2019 here as, you know, uh, Browns will come out to uh, come out to New York for a change of things. So it's, you know, good time, man. Good time of year. Yeah. You know, after all these years of our teams being at the bottom of the league with these new quarterbacks, maybe, you know, they'll start competing for something meaningful. How about, wouldn't that be exciting? Yes, maybe we'd, we'd still be doing actual game talk in January. It would be nice and it'd be a refreshing change of pace. So anyway, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for taking a few minutes. Um, why don't you just first provide us with a bro- overview of the Greg Williams experience at Cleveland? Uh, it was. Uh, it really. It wasn't bad. And look, you know, Greg Williams. Look, and this is the thing. And you know, he likes to make the jokes. Obviously, you know, plenty of offers and stuff like that. Greg Williams. He's just never going to be a head coach in the NFL again. It's just the way it's going to work. Um, and I don't blame him for Bounty Gate. I mean, it's it gone on for years and years and years. Greg was just the guy who unfortunately got caught. Um, but Greg is, you know, he's everything you would look for in a defensive coordinator. You know, he's a little bit of a mean old cuss. He's got the fire to him. He should be really fun with the New York media. There's no doubt about that. Um, but as far as the defensive side of the ball, uh, he's he's good. And his players like him. They do play for him and they play hard for him. That's kind of like the mis- misunderstood part of Greg Williams is people just think he's like this, this guy off on his own. But he's not. And, you know, even as Greg gets older and older, now, you keep in mind with the Cleveland defense, I mean, these guys are young, and it's a bunch of young kids, and Greg is still able to relate to that and work with them. <clears throat> he, they made a great point. Uh, it was uh, the Denver game for uh, Cleveland Browns. Jabril Peppers altered what was his blitz assignment on the final play of the game and was able to, you know, to get the sack and clinch the game, clinch the W for the Browns, and Greg Williams lauded him and, and gave him major kudos for that and said, you know, this was something that he had noticed on film and made the adjustment after running that blitz once before. They came back to it. Normally, he was supposed to go around the right tackle. He decided that and if he knew if he just delayed it a hair, he was going to be able to go right through the guard and uh, the tackle gap. And he did. Uh, you know, and obviously, you know, you've got the sack to clinch the game. And Greg gave him the ultimate respect for that, for, you know, like, you know, having the feeling and the smartness to you adapt on the fly. And this is the stuff you get with Greg Williams. He's a little bit of a mis, you know, he's definitely misunderstood as far as his reputation and his persona as to what the man actually is. Um, there is starting to get some analytical approach with Greg Williams. His son, Blake, uh, obviously a Princeton grad. Um, I'm not, you know, not sure where Blake is going to end up here yet. He does have some shots to maybe, you know, step away from his dad and go his own route. Um, but it'd be interesting, you know, if he goes too, because you're going to get a guy here, Greg, who's older and coaches with an older style and theory, but does use now a little bit more of an analytical approach because it's something his son, who's in his 30s, is big with. And obviously, you know, if Greg's going to, if Greg believes in it enough to use it, obviously he's understanding and looking to learn more. 
So it's going to be a nice fit for the Jets. Um, I think it's going to be a nice balance where you know, Adam Gase can just worry about the offense and just kind of let Greg do his thing. Um, look, but you know, just as Cleveland was still going to need a few more pieces if Greg ended up staying here, the Jets are going to need some pieces. Yeah, and I like hearing that because I always like hearing about the guy who has the experience but still open to like new methods of doing things. So that's something that I think is encouraging to hear. Um, you know, one of the things that impressed me uh, with Williams and Cleveland is, you know, he has this reputation for being a very strong personality, and it seemed like there were a lot of personality issues on the coaching staff, particularly between the head coach and the offensive coordinator, but it didn't seem like there were any issues with Williams dealing with any of them. Is that accurate? Oh, it definitely was. Um, the only thing was it kind of hurt Greg a little bit, not so much in 18, but in 17. Towards the end of the year in 17, and, you know, obviously all the jokes were made, you know, and that, you know, where was the safety lined up? Was he even in the same state of the game? But Greg Williams was just like, look, I, I have no faith in the offensive side of the ball. So I've got to do everything I can. And look, if you're going to kick six field goals against me, that's fine. At least I'm keeping the team in the game. And, and that's a lot what Greg did. I mean, there was some weird stuff. You know, Danny Shelton was a, you know, a 320-pound D tackle who he was getting dropped into coverage. But Greg was just trying to do anything. And I guess when you're in an 0-16 season, you, you've got to try anything at that point. It was so much different this year. You know, Jabril Peppers, you know, they stopped with making him look like a punt returner. They kept him within five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. I'm assuming this is what Jamal Adams is going to do. And Jamal Adams should just absolutely take off with that. But I think Greg was just figuring, look, I mean, I can't get aggressive here because if this team gets up 20 points on us, regardless, it's over and it's done with because the Browns offense wasn't able to score like that. This year, he was able to be more confident. And it started the first week where Freddie Kitchens took over as the offensive coordinator. Greg gave him carte blanche. They went for it a lot on fourth down because Greg, Greg felt more confident in the offense and said, well, you want to know what? I don't mind putting it on my defense. Take your chances. Go get some points. And if it doesn't work out, then fine. I'll put it on the D. And it became a nice relationship between the two of them. You know, obviously, Freddie is more in the path of, you know, a guy who took off and now has become a head coach. Whereas Greg is just going to be this defensive coordinator. Maybe if it's kind of like, you know, um, you know, Phillips out, you know, Wade Phillips, obviously out with the Rams, where it's just kind of let me do my thing on defense and you guys do your thing. But he's he still is a team oriented guy. And at the end of the day, he wants to win. and He knows what that means. It's just 17. He was hamstrung and there was only certain things he could do. 18, you were able to see him open up a little bit more and, and get a little aggressive and, you know, do what was best for the team. And, you know, it, it ended up in playing, obviously, you know, some good football, walked out of here with a, with, with a five and three record. So, you know, you know, it was just, it was a nice story. It was a nice era, but once he didn't get the head coaching job, there was really nowhere left for Greg to go because now it was, you were working as the top guy. This guy was working under you. And now are you going to go work for this guy? It's, you know, a lot of business relationships just don't work like that. Absolutely. So just take us through, give us a broad overview of what the Greg Williams scheme looks like. Almost. Um, well, that's the thing with Greg, though, because Greg, I mean, obviously goes back a lot of years. And it, I mean, for anybody, I mean, if you guys all remember, Sean Taylor passed away, you know, almost over a decade ago. And Greg Williams was the one who put that Redskins defense on the field with only 10 guys and did it as a tribute to Sean Taylor. So, I mean, he's been around a while. Greg can play 3-4. Greg can play 4-3. Until you hear an announcement that they are switching to the 4-3 and you know it's concrete, don't assume that's the way it's going to go. Greg is, you know, vastly, vastly experienced. He has experience with a bunch of different types of fronts. And look, I mean, you know, 4-3, 3-4, I mean, most of the time you're only getting that on first and 10 anyway. You're not really getting it after that. 
So, but Greg will mix and match. I mean, and look, like I said, Jabril Peppers, there were times you know, where you know, he was almost playing a pseudo outside linebacker. Another safety, Derek Kindred, was doing those things as well. Um, Greg likes linebackers who can cover. The reason Joe Schobert took you know, such a, a, a big step and a role in his career in Cleveland is because Greg had faith in him as a cover linebacker. Sometimes he wasn't so, you know, his specialty wasn't chasing sideline to sideline. Greg was okay with that. Because he was really good at coverage, and, and and even his own coverage, where Joe Schobert was smart enough player to literally like almost hand his guy off to the next guy behind him in the zone. So you know, Greg, technique is big with Greg, and, and do things the correct way. Um, you definitely want a pass rusher. You saw Greg's defense this year not give up as many points, but still gave up a lot of yards because he had the ultimate faith in the world in Miles Garrett. I mean, there were games where Miles Garrett got twelve pressures in a game. That's something that Greg really enjoyed. The only thing you're going to be a little leery of, Jet fans, here is you're going to have to get a lot of guys that are capable of playing here because Greg didn't feel they had a lot of defensive depth in 2018. And Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi were taking an insane amount of reps for defensive linemen. And that's something that gives you a little pause and, you know, a little trepidation because, you know, obviously with anybody, the more reps you take, the better injury risk. And if you're going to spend big money on some defensive linemen, you don't want them only getting five to six blows a game. You'd like that number more, you know, into the double digits. So that's one thing you're going to have to worry about because if Greg does not have a lot of faith in you, he's not going to play you just for the sake of playing you. Should we expect a blitz-heavy scheme? It's going to depend whether or not you have the pass rusher. Um, I will tell you right now, Jamal Adams, I mean, from what I watch in Jamal Adams, who's extremely successful at it, I wouldn't be stunned if Jamal Adams ends up with five sacks next year. Um, doesn't really blitz the corners. He'll blitz a nickel every now and then. He likes to mix and match with safeties. He will bring pressure from his safeties. The one question you're going to have to with the blitz packages as well is Greg does like to blitz if he has the the faith in a free safety. Um, Cleveland didn't have that in 2017. Obviously, they had it in 2018 in Demarius Randall. If Jamal Adams is so great in his role, is Marcus May going to be that center field free safety who you can trust that everything's going to stay in front of him? And that's going to be interesting how that plays out with Marcus May. Obviously, you know, his second is obviously a sophomore year, a lot of injuries and a lot of lost time. So it's going to be interesting how that that center field plays out because that besides having a pass rusher, the next biggest thing for Greg is having that center fielder. So that way he can just mix and match and do a whole bunch of different stuff underneath with the other nine guys on the field. Uh, in coverage, more man, more zone depends on the personnel. Um, 17, where he didn't have as much faith. It was a lot more, you know, laid back. Um, it was, it was, I, I would say, I would say it was soft zone, but it was a man, but there was a big cushion. This year changed a lot. Denzel Ward, they went out right away and got themselves a guy who could stick with somebody, get in the hip pocket. And, and, and it showed well early and allowed the other, you know, the other cornerbacks they pursued this offseason. You know, Denzel Ward was a little bit undersized, but the other cornerbacks they pursued were bigger, longer guys, kind of similar to, you know, obviously, you know, uh, the cornerback. In New York, you guys just paid a boatload of money, too. Um, obviously, him and Greg have a history, so I think that's going to work well. And I think Greg's going to put him right on the line against the team's best receiver and just let him beat the living daylights out of him for five yards. And then, look, I mean, if he gets beat every now and then, he's going to get beat. Greg doesn't care about that. Greg wants contest. He wants, you know, contested everything. So it, it should work out in that area. Obviously, they have a comfortability level and, you know, the best years he's had were under Greg Williams, which led to this big contract. So it, it's, it should be a nice pairing because Greg's got some pieces there that he's comfortable with in, in the roles that they already do, and we've seen them do it well. So that should work out very well. The only thing is going to be is, like I said, the Jets are going to need to add some pieces here. 
I think offensively, you're probably a little bit better off at the skill positions than you're going to be in what you need to you know, have as far as depth because you need to get to 16, 17 people. Greg likes to play a lot of guys, but the problem is he needs to have faith in a lot of guys in order to do that. How good is he at making adjustments in-game? That was um, that was probably the brightest thing. Because um, sometimes, you know, look, I mean, older guys, you know, and like we had talked about just a little bit earlier, they get a little stubborn. They don't want to change their ways. But um, the prime example was Week 17. Now, you know, the Ravens, what they've been doing with Lamar Jackson, as much as it was a disservice to Mar- Lamar Jackson, he needed to be throwing the ball more to grow as a rookie quarterback. But they were able to adjust. And they, they, were, they went with a four-man front. It wasn't working. And so what did Greg do? He gave a mix of a look of four to six guys all around the line of scrimmage. And they waited until Lamar got set. And then all of a sudden they sprung the defensive line. And most of the time it was a five-man front. And they were able to shut it down. They were able to get back into the ball game. They should have actually, they probably should have ended up walking out of that day with that with that victory. But it was it, it was it was very. I mean, they got gouged in the first half. Second half, it, it wasn't an issue anymore because the Ravens, you know, they with a rookie quarterback and what they were doing. Lamar Jackson it was pretty basic. There weren't a lot of audibles, so Lamar Jackson just had to basically run what was called, even though he didn't know the front that was coming at him. And it worked out well, and and it kind of set the blueprint for what the Chargers did the next week, because it was, all right, let's get some big guys up front, and we'll just have our athletes chase everything behind it, and the Chargers were able to shut it down. So, I mean, yeah, that was – yeah, Greg definitely can adjust on the fly. He's he's definitely got that mind, and he's got a little Belichick to him where he's not afraid to say, hey, you know what, I tried something seven years ago against something similar, because he's just got that Rolodex of you know football information, and, yo, he has no problem flipping a script if he needs to. All right, Jeff, my friend, thank you for stopping by. Really appreciate the knowledge you just passed along. No problem at all, John. Best of luck with the show. And uh, you know, like I said, John, we'll, ha- we'll have a- find ourselves a crossover somewhere next fall. Maybe a year from now we'll be talking about the Jets-Browns AFC Championship. Now that would, oh, man, and the Sam Baker, oof, the Sam and Baker day. That's good. It's, you know, a lot of people don't want to give it, you know, the, the storyline that it is. But, I mean, look, one was drafted one, the other was drafted three. I mean, this is, is the, I mean, hopefully for Jet fans, hopefully Brown, Brown fans, this is something that's going to go on for a decade or more. Some great stuff there out of Jeff. Certainly should get Jets fans excited about this new era on defense. But now we'll turn our attention to Championship Sunday. We have two conference championship games this week. Uh, I'm going to give my picks now. I'm uh, five and three in the playoffs, two and two last weekend. And this is a championship Sunday with a number of very intriguing storylines. You have the next generation of quarterbacks, Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes, going against the old guard, uh, Drew Brees and Tom Brady, who perhaps they are making their last stand. You have a couple of very interesting rematches of classic regular season games. In fact, I think if you were to take the top three games of the regular season, name the three best games of the regular season, we have two rematches of two of them this weekend. And you know the, that the third game probably would be Rams-Chiefs, which we could have a rematch of in the Super Bowl. So plenty on the line, plenty to get excited about. I love the fact that these, these are games between four great offenses. And the reason I say that is you know, if, if you have a defense-first team in this game without a very dynamic offense, you may run into a situation where they fall behind by 14 points and the game's kind of over. None of these four teams is going to be out of the game this weekend if they fall behind, which makes it very exciting. So we'll start with the NFC Championship game. Kickoff scheduled for 3.05 Eastern on Sunday from the Superdome in New Orleans. Game will be on Fox, and that's worth noting uh, for the conference championship Sunday, the league moves kickoffs back. It's not the normal 1 and 4.30-ish start times. Uh, First game kicks off at 3.05. And 
I got to be honest, either of these games seems like a coin flip to me. Nothing would shock me. No result would really shock me in either of these games. I went back and forth on this one. Um, ultimately, though, I'm going with the Saints. You know, this is These teams, again, played a few months ago in a really good regular season game at this venue. Um, I, you know, a few things are different for these teams. A couple of guys in and out of the lineup. Sheldon Rankins out for New Orleans. Cooper Cup out for the Rams. These guys played in the first game. Talib back for the uh, Rams. He missed the first game. But I am going with the Saints in this one. Uh, you know, there are a couple things that, that tip me in the Saints direction. One is just the Superdome. I, I really think if this game was in the, the Coliseum out in L.A., I, I think I'd go with the... the uh, the Rams. I think these these teams are that close. I think it's this comes down to the last possession. I think the the home crowd will make an impact. You know, the home crowd does make a tangible impact in football because the offensive line has to go to the silent count. So linemen, get, you know, have to start a little. I think you you really see it impact the tackle position where guys just gather their stance a little late uh, because because they have to go to the silent count. They have to look in instead of just listening and being able to fire um, immediately fire off the snap. Uh, so I think the crowd will be an impact. I think, and also, I mean, one thing to note is just the Saints have been playing much better defensively since that since the team met in that game. Even without Rankins last week against the Eagles, they they played very effectively. Again, like I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams won this game. The Rams you know, playing well. I mean, one thing that does concern me a little bit is that of the four teams that played last weekend, that I thought the Saints were the least impressive. So that does. Give me a little concern, but I mean, this, I think the difference between these teams is really razor thin. I, I think that you know, if you played these teams ten times, I wouldn't be shocked if each team won five. I, I think that they're that close. I, again, I, I think it might come down. Honestly, I, I think it might come down to just the fact the Saints are at home. I, I, I think that, and I expect this to be a, a very tight game, and that's you know. That's why the regular season means so much because this is the reason the the reason the games in New Orleans is the fact is the regular season contest these these teams play the fact the Saints won it that otherwise this game could be out in L.A. in the Coliseum, but I'm going with the Rams uh, to advance. And you know, another thing is that one other thing is just I, I I talked about this on the show earlier in the week when we recapped divisional weekend. I did not love what the Rams looked like in coverage last week, and I thought Dak Prescott missed opportunities. I don't think Drew Brees is going to miss those opportunities that they present themselves. I think the Rams need to be much tighter in coverage. So I'm going with the the uh, Saints in this one. I think the Saints go to the Super Bowl for the second time in 10 years. And then we have the AFC, which you know storylines about in that one. And I think you know one of the biggest storylines for me is just Andy Reid. Can he win the big game? And I think... In this year's playoffs, in some ways, and maybe it's unfair to say this, but I almost feel like Andy Reid's career is on trial because you look at the resume, and there's a lot to love. And I think he needs the Super. I think if he wins the Super Bowl, if he wins these next two games, he's a Hall of Famer because you look at it, there are very few blemishes. Um, you know, you look at the offensive innovator. He's won in two places. He's got a great coaching tree. Ten ten guys who worked under him have been head coaches in the NFL. Two have won Super Bowls, and a third made it to a Super Bowl. I mean, there's there's a lot to love there, but there are two there are two issues with Reed. Is first of all, not a good game manager, which it, that happens. But the second is just his record in big games has just been awful since he came to Kansas City. Two of the biggest playoff collapses in NFL history, 
And now he's back in the round, which has tortured him so much. He was one in four, first conference championship game with the with the Chiefs, but one in four with the Eagles. And I'll give him a pass for the first one. The first one was 2001, where he went to St. Louis against the greatest show on turf. The Eagles were not better than the Rams in that game. The Eagles were a little ahead of schedule. They were the inferior team. They it was they did they had a good year to get there. But the other four. I think he had the, uh, I'm sorry, the other three, I think he had the better team. I think he had a better team in 02 against Tampa Bay, better team in 03 against Carolina. And then a few years later, you know, if people forget this one, there was one in Arizona where they were the road team. I thought they were better though. So these, you know, these are the things that have haunted him. And I mean, if he can't win it this year, I know he's got Mahomes, young quarterback, he's got a good team, but sometimes these windows close quicker than you, than you think. This might be his best shot. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I'm saying I'm not sure he's ever going to have a better chance to do it than this year so maybe it's not entirely fair after a guy who's had the successful of a career but I think there's a lot riding on this game and the Super Bowl if he wins this game for Andy Reid I think it might be a, a spot in the Hall of Fame and I could see this game going either way and neither team winning would shock me and look I'll be rooting for the Chiefs and I hope I'm wrong on this but I do think I have to pick New England in this game and I'll tell you I'll tell you why I have to think pick think I have to pick New England is first of all you know I picked against both these teams last week and the reason I picked against the Pats is that you know around Thanksgiving every year the Patriots start looking like the Patriots where they just start blowing people out and they have not looked like the Patriots they did not look like the Patriots down the stretch I was very unimpressed by them down the stretch last week against the Chargers they looked like the Patriots they looked like the juggernaut that they usually are but I think looking at this game here's how I see this game is first of all when New England's got the ball I think that they're going to run it a lot. And the Chiefs do not I don't love this Chiefs run defense. So I think that's that's number one right there. Is the Patriots have no problem the Patriots can play whatever kind of game they want to play, whatever kind of game they think can exploit the, the weakness of the opponent. They need to put Brady in the shotgun and throw fifty times, they'll do that. But if they want to get big and just pound the football over and over and over, they have no reservations about doing that. And I think that's what they'll do. I think they'll have success. I think they'll keep that Chiefs offense off the field and limit the opportunities Mahomes and company have. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you could play it one of two ways. And I've seen Belichick play it both ways in big games. You can either play your safeties back, prevent the big play, keep everything in front of you, and essentially say, you're going to need to execute on a, at a high level 10 straight plays to score here. And, you know, even the best, it's, t- it's not always easy for them to do that. Or they can attack, you know, try and force a turnover, force a mistake, which is higher risk because you leave nobody in the back of the defense because you're blitzing everybody and one missed tackle could, could lead to a touchdown. Now I'm not in the Patriots meeting room, so I you know I can't say for sure. My hunch is that they're going to attack because last week the Colts sat back and were picked apart, and Chiefs did execute on a high level ten straight plays. So I think Belichick's going to look at this and say that's not going to happen to me. We're going to attack. We're going to force them to make great plays. And I think if you go into this game from from the New England perspective, you have to know that you're going to get you're going to give up points. You're going to give up a long touchdown or two. Listen, there's going to be a point where they get caught in a blitz. It's going to be a screen to Tyreek Hill. He'll take it 60 yards to the house. You, you live with that. You know that's going to happen. And you're going to know you're going to have to score a lot of points to win. I view this game as kind of like a tennis match. You know, in tennis, it's a big deal. You're supposed to win the games where you're serving. And if the other the other guy wins the game while you're serving, that's called a break. And it's a big turning point in the game. That's kind of how I view it with these two offenses is any defense that gets a stop, it's like a break. And any turnover that happens is like is a huge swing in this game because especially a turnover that gives the gives the offense a short field or even maybe a turnover that results in a score 
And I think that's what the Patriots are going to try and attack. They're going to try and force the big mistake. And they know they're going to give they're going to give some things up because Mahomes makes. I mean, you you watch that guy. I mean, he's unbelievable. Some of the plays he makes, some of the plays he makes, the guy is not human. But if they force a quick enough quick reads, eventually, I think there is going to be a mistake or two. And I think that's what will turn the game. I think it'll be a tight game. And again, look, I hope I'm wrong. Like I'm pulling for Kansas City. I'll gladly take the loss on this one. But I do think that the Patriots win. So I think it's going to be – I'd love to see the next generation in the Super Bowl. I'd love to see Goff Mahomes. I'd love to see the Rams and Chiefs. But my pick is the Saints and the Patriots heading to the Super Bowl. And we'll, now, now all that's left to do is watch the games and see if I'm right. Anyway, thanks for listening today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoyed the show, subscribe iTunes or Spotify and leave the show a good review on iTunes. Hope you enjoyed the games this weekend. I, I have a hunch I'll probably be off Monday for the long weekend, but we'll be back early next week. We'll talk some more Jets and some NFL. And yeah, as I said, enjoy the games, everybody.